All right. Good morning, beautiful people. As the video said there, I'm Peter. I serve as the lead pastor. And again, if you're visiting, I really do want to say thank you. We appreciate you and we want to be able to really better communicate with you guys and grow. So we have a a beautiful thing that we're doing together and it's called Getting Into God's Word. And I get to do the grand finale of our Trinity series, which has been amazing and and, uh, helpful for me to rest in the person of God, the persons of God. Again, the Trinity is one God, in the three persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the mystery of who God is as revealed to Christians in the Word. Not three gods. And not one God that expresses himself in three different modes, in three different points of time. Nor is it one God who expresses himself in in three different ways separately. It's one God living in mysterious triunity for all of eternity, perfect and holy relationship within himself. This is a mystery we embrace by faith. But look, we embrace other things by faith too. Unless you're like a doc, you have your doctorate in cellular biology, most of us rely upon cell structures in our bodies without fully understanding that intellectually, right? The flagellar modems and all the things, the complexities of, of how our body's made up, we rely on it. We benefit from it, even though we don't fully understand it. We, we embrace it by faith. And how much more the person of God. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we honor God's word. And we're going to embrace perhaps the most mysterious person of the Trinity, of the Godhead, and that is the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to go to Exodus 3. It's going to provide a framework for other scriptures we're going to get into. But listen, Exodus 3 reveals so much about the, the divine Trinitarian God that we're speaking about. So much about the mystery. But Exodus 3 is not only exclusively, explicitly perhaps about the person of the Holy Spirit, but This passage we're about to read is going to provide context for how to approach God in general as a mystery and in particular things that we can learn about the Holy Spirit. So here we go. We're going to read verses one through six. And this is about God calling Moses to himself so that he could bring him back to Egypt and send him out to set his people free. So verse one of Exodus three. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside. Everyone say, turn aside. Hey, you did a good job. I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. Verse four. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside, everyone say turn aside. He had turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses fell on his face for he was afraid to look at God. The word of God. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. Holy Spirit, please add a blessing to the reading of your word. We thank you for speaking 
faithfully. Help us now to hear and to listen to what you're saying. Amen. Now, if you're taking notes, you can entitle this message, Hearing the Holy Spirit. And if you leave with nothing else today, here's what I hope for you to know. And that is this, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He speaks to us. And we can learn to hear him. The Holy Spirit is a person. He speaks to us. And we can learn to hear him. And I want to take those three thoughts one at a time. And I pray that at the end of this message, we can actually practice this truth, that the Holy Spirit is a person that speaks to us and we can learn to hear him. Now, I want to say on the onset that I'm indebted to Pastor Robert Morse for having written Frequency, Tune In, Hear God. It's a book that a lot of our leaders and our equipped class have been reading this summer, and it's been really helpful to set in place how we can hear God and read his word, and that's, a, that's one endeavor and we're going to talk about that. But I wanted to honor that. And if you want to uh, go and pick up this book, I encourage you to read it. Frequency. Now, first of all, the Holy Spirit, number one, is a person. Everyone say person. person. You're helping me preach here. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, we can know that even though he must be approached as a mystery, he's still a person. You know, we have context in our own experience for the Father and the Son, the first two persons of the Trinity. Because we have a Father that we can relate to, or a, a, we, we can understand the, the paradigm of Son because we have those on earth. But the Spirit is a, a little harder because we don't necessarily have an earthly category for that in our everyday experience. And yet, He is a person. He is holy. And what I, what I appreciate is that, that he is a person, but he is a holy person. The Holy Spirit is a, is a person, and he's a holy mystery at the same time. Now, on the onset, we do and should approach him as a mystery. God, in general, the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, need to be approached with a little bit more reverence than we're accustomed to. When he speaks to Moses... Moses, first of all, before he turns aside, sees this, minist- this, this mystery that blows his mind in chapter 3 here. He, he says, he sees this amazing thing. So let, me, let me turn aside to see this great sight. Why is it that this bush is burning, but it's not burning? And all of a sudden, as he turns aside, this mysterious person that doesn't have a body, that's not a, necessarily a material person, he's more than material, not less than our material experience. He speaks and says, Moses, Moses. And then strangely enough, he says, don't come near. So it's almost like whiplashing a little bit, like, hey, come here, but don't come too close. And take off your sandals. And, and why did Moses take off his sandals? Because the burning bush told him to take off his sandals. And any time a burning bush tells you to do something, you just do it. There's a holy mystery that we need to approach God with. I'm afraid that we get a little bit too comfortable with God. He is a person, but he's a holy and mysterious person. We need to approach him so much more reverently with holiness than we do. We get comfortable. Jesus isn't just your homeboy. At least when I was in college, there was these shirts that had, uh, maybe I'm dating myself here, Jesus is my homeboy. Look, he's not just your homeboy. 
Jesus needs to be approached with reverence. God the Father as well, and God the Holy Spirit needs to be approached with reverence because he's a holy mystery. And yet, especially with the Holy Spirit, we need to know that though he is a holy mystery, he is a person. And approaching God in general and the Holy Spirit in particular as a young man, I struggled to approach him as a person. And this is one of my main hangups. I lived uh, in my younger years going to church and being pretty religious, but I completely didn't know God and I was a total hypocrite. I was a pretty normal guy full of perversion, self-deceived, deceiving others, devoid of of real value of, of actually understanding and knowing God personally. And look, It wasn't simply because I didn't understand that I was living unholy. Or it wasn't because I didn't know that God is a holy God and a mysterious holy God. It's because I didn't know God personally, as a person. And once he came to confront me personally and to get all up in my business, and he used other people that I had personal relationship to encounter me personally. From that point on, everything changed. So here you have God approaching Moses, and he is this great and mysterious mystery that causes him to turn aside, to stop and look and say, what is this? And he approaches him, and and he speaks and says, don't come too close. Take off your feet. There was a reverence. But listen, Moses was not confused about whether or not this holy and mysterious Things speaking to him was anything other than a person. I think maybe we would get this confused. If we heard a voice speaking out of a bush, we might think, man, that's like a Bluetooth speaker with Siri and a male voice or something. I don't know. We might be a little confused, but Moses was not confused. He knew this is a person, an intelligible person that's speaking to me, and I need to stop, I need to turn aside, and I need to listen. You know, I think that the immaterial nature of this mystery didn't stop Moses from understanding the very personal nature of who was speaking to him. And I would argue from your experience and mine that most of what we hold in our relationships personally from other people are not the physical and material things about them. It's actually the immaterial things about persons. Let me give you an example. If you were to ask me, hey, what's your wife like, Peter? What's Elisa like? I wouldn't just think about the material things. I I wouldn't just think, oh, well, this is what her body is like, even though it's the most beautiful body on earth, right? I wouldn't just think about her body and her material things. I would think about her as a person, her spirit, her soul. And I would argue that you and I mostly perceive and experience people primarily in in their immaterial person In the same way. For instance, if you're visiting a church, you can walk in, and it's not the material things that's so new to you, like, okay, this church is this way, it's this this building, and these people wear these different clothes. It's really the spirit of the people that you're encountering when you visit a new church or you visit a new group of people. It's, it's It's the immaterial things about a person's spirit and soul that most endears you to them. That that that's who they are. When you get to know a person, you get to know the immaterial things or the the, the anger, the love, the the joy in that person. And so too, if if most of our uh, experiences and relationship with the people that we can touch and feel 
are really experiences of the immaterial person primarily, then how much more with the immaterial, uh, transmaterial, above material nature God who, who exists and, and God is so much more than our physical experience. And specifically, the Holy Spirit is more real than our material understanding. The Holy Spirit is not a force or a feeling. He is a person. And let me demonstrate with you from scripture some other parts of how he is a person that's going to help you. A few different aspects of his personness. Number one, the Holy Spirit has intellect. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 says, but God has revealed the the completion of his promise. Let me read this. The completion of his promise to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Indeed, the deep things of God. The spirit of God has intellect. He's a person. And the spirit of God also has knowledge. The very next verse, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 2 says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. The spirit of God has intellect and knowledge and he has, get ready for it, emotions. Ephesians 4, verse 30, says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Did you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit? He has emotions. He's a person. I like to say this, wives, if you're a wife, a wife in here, if your husband ever tells you, uh, you know, you're being emotional right now, stop before you react. And from what you know now, you can know this. You can know, okay, God, the Holy Spirit, just like God the Father and God the Son, God is emotional. He has emotions. So before I react to my husband telling me I'm being emotional, I'm going to stop for a minute and say, okay, well, I'll first believe the best about that. What he's saying is I'm being godly. And so you just stop before reacting. And you just respond, thank you, sweetie, or babe, or whatever you call your husband. Now, if he's trying to clarify that you're being uh, unhealthily emotional, then that brother's just going to have to clarify that. But just take it as a compliment until, you're, until he's proven otherwise, all right? The Holy Spirit has intellect and knowledge, and the Holy Spirit has emotions, and the Holy Spirit has a will, and he makes decisions. Acts 16, verse 6 says, The apostles were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God in Asia. You see, the Spirit had decided on a later date for that particular time and how he would move in that particular region. He makes decisions. He gives commands. Acts 13, verse 2. The Holy Spirit said, set aside for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. He makes decisions. You know, one of my favorite things is this last one. The Holy Spirit prays for us. Did you know that he prays for us? Just like Jesus did when he was in a body on earth, he prays for us. Romans 8 verses 26 and 27 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for, he, for we do not know what to pray, pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, prays for us, with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of of God. How beautiful is that? The Holy Spirit is amazing. And he's a person. He's a person. And number two, he, the Holy Spirit, speaks to us. Now, the first thing I want to say, and I'm going to purposefully and redundantly come back to this, because how many of y'all know if, if other 
Christians that are smarter than us tend to make mistakes on the same issue. And the enemy continues to, to catch people up in the same sins. How, much, how many of you all know that we should probably be careful about that? So this point that I'm going to make right now, I'm going to come back to and make it again later, is fundamental. That the Spirit of God has already authoritatively and finally spoken his authoritative word in the Bible. If you're a Christian, you believe that these 66 books of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit who actively inspired the writers of this gospel, various writers, dozens of writers in three different, uh, three different continents and three different millennia and different cultures to, to inspire the, the Bible, which is one story about his redemptive history in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit has already authoritatively spoken in the Bible, and yet he continues to speak. And this is a mystery that we need to embrace. One of the men of God that I know says, God has spoken in his word, but he still speaks. He doesn't have laryngitis. God continues to speak. He has spoken and he speaks. Revelation 22 says that we are not supposed to add to Scripture. That the last book of the Bible is the last book of the Bible. And how many well-meaning people, perhaps, have been led astray by the devil and thought that they needed to add to what God has already made complete in his word. And all of a sudden, all, all sorts of cults arise and, and unknowingly or knowingly abuse people. God has already spoken in his word. We don't add to Scripture, but he still continues to speak. Robert Morris draws out this tension in his book, he says, Scripture commands us not to add to Scripture while declaring nonetheless that God still speaks. We must reconcile these two truths, meaning we need to reconcile these things. Not, it's not one or the other. God has spoken authoritatively in his word, and he continues to speak to us today. The Holy Spirit speaks. Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit isn't the only one speaking. Our fallen nature speaks to us. Other spirits that are not of God speak. And therefore, we have to learn to listen and to distinguish his voice. The other day, uh, my kids were out swimming with our family and cousins, and they were at my in-law's pool, and it was time for dinner. And I called my daughter, Hadassah. I said, Hadassah! And she didn't hear. I said, Hadassah! And I... Everyone else around her heard and started to look at her, and she didn't hear. And I yelled louder. I said, Hadassah es la hora de comer y tú vas a venir para acá. She didn't listen. Her cousins had to grab her, who don't even speak Spanish, grab her and say, hey, your dad's calling for you. Now, she came to me, and, and she, she wanted me to know that she didn't hear me. I kind of didn't believe her. Like, everyone's looking at you funny. Like, clearly, they can hear. But listen, let's just say I gave her the benefit of the doubt. Let's say she didn't hear me. I would still say that, nonetheless, it's her job to learn, to listen, to distinguish my voice. Because I was clearly speaking, and it's her job to learn how to distinguish my voice. And how much more for us, the Holy Spirit is speaking whether we're attuned to his frequency or not. He speaks, he's spoken, he continues to speak and guide and direct, and we just need to get better at listening. Now, I tend to think that he speaks even more to people who are listening. But either way, he's speaking, 
And we need to learn to distinguish, to, to blank out all the other voices and to hear him. Remember when Moses was, was walking in the wilderness and, and it says that, that he saw a sight and he, he turned aside. It says that in verse 3 and then it repeats. Anytime a word of God repeats something, it's, it's for us to know something. Verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that he had turned aside, he spoke. See, there's something about making yourself available to hear that I think causes a delight in the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Again, that's my opinion. That's not the Bible declaring those things. But I know that the Holy Spirit speaks and he delights when we listen. And that's the thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, an amazing, mysterious, holy, and yet wonderful and real person. And he speaks to us. And finally, we can learn to hear. And I can pick on my daughter all I want, but I've been married for 10 years so far, and I know that I need to learn to listen to hear my wife, and that's somewhat indicative and parallel of the fact that I need to learn to hear God too. Often, as I'll share, God speaks through my wife. And at least I've learned that I need to learn at least I've learned that I have some listening to do. And it helps if I don't talk as much, but that's another message. We can learn to hear the Holy Spirit. We can go from failing to hear him to turning aside to hear and to listen and to apply what he says. There's a story in Acts 11. And I love the Apostle Peter because you read the four gospel accounts of, of the Bible, Peter is a dude who just thinks before he, he talks before he thinks often. And that's how I know, like, man, I have more than in common with this brother than just his name. But the other thing I have in co- common with him I like more is that God used him anyway. And, and God was able to, to teach him how to slow down, shut up, and Listen. And one of these moments is, is a huge moment of, of listening that has a huge effect. He's up on a rooftop in Acts chapter 10. And he's, he's praying, it says. Now, we don't know what he was praying about, but God met him in that moment when he was praying. And a strange thing happened. He saw this strange vision of, of a sheet descending from heaven. And on that sheet, there's all sorts of different animals and unclean animals. These animals that Jews, good Jewish men, weren't supposed to go near and even touch or eat. But this voice came from heaven and says, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, that's, that's against the Jewish rules. That's weird. Now, unbeknownst to him at the time, certain men had been led by the Holy Spirit to join him. Men that were not from the Jewish nations, men he wasn't supposed to go near and touch according to the Jewish laws. And they were outside. And in that exact same moment, it says in Acts chapter uh, 10, verse 19, uh, verse 19, and Peter was pondering the vision and the Spirit spoke. The Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Now, the rest of the story is pretty amazing. He goes and necessarily breaks the rules of man to fulfill the word spoken by the Holy Spirit. And he goes and speaks to this 
this Roman soldier and his family, Cornelius and his family, it says the Spirit of God poured out on them. And we know from the rest of history that this is a global turning point for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unless you're Jewish in this room, you can draw your roots to that turning point where we can sit in a room like this in all sorts of beautifully diverse faces. You can look around at your beauty here and enjoy the word of God here. That can be traced back to that moment where the Holy Spirit spoke and functionally listened. Peter listened and obeyed. What if he wasn't listening? Now, he had turned aside to hear the Holy Spirit and he got up on that rooftop. There's a lot of things we don't know about this story. What was he praying about at the time? I mean, maybe like you and I, maybe he was worried. He, maybe he was worried about finances or his kids or his family. Maybe he was full of worry and he was up there praying about other things. We don't know what he was praying about. But here's something I do know. I'm guessing he wasn't fooling around with his little blue button like I struggle with. Y'all know the, the button with the F on it. He wasn't trolling on Facebook or add in whatever your besetting distraction is. He wasn't doing that. He was available. He had turned aside to listen, to attune his ear to the Holy Spirit. He wasn't distracted like I can tend to be or my daughter was in the pool. He was listening and the Holy Spirit spoke something that blew his paradigm. He still struggled even after that to understand what God was doing and it didn't stop God from doing it. And if you and I, even though we're imperfect and we struggle to listen, we can learn to hear when he speaks. He's already speaking, but we can learn to hear him. Now, with our time remaining, I want to give you a few pointers as we, as we, we, we draw to a close with practical things we can do to hear him as he continues to speak. Practical things. Number one, I, I, I promised you I'd be redundant with this. You can hear God in his word. Learn to hear the Holy Spirit speak through his word. Here's what's beautiful about the Holy Spirit and how he speaks to us. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you and tells you something, and then you read in the Bible and it's totally different, like the two can't be the same at the same time, then let me just help you. The Holy Spirit didn't speak to you. The Bible constrains you. That's a good thing. How many times have I been constrained by God's word? And you know what? That word doesn't, if you, if you know what that word means, it doesn't feel right at the start. Like it limits you. But that's good. How many times have I been running off a cliff and I am constrained by God's word? I'm stopped. I'm protected I'm prote- I don't have to worry about whether or not what I think God is speaking to me is God or not. And we'll just find out at the end of the days and see how much destruction I've caused on my family and in my church. I'm constrained by, protected by the word of God. The Holy Spirit will never speak to you to do anything outside of what he's already spoken authoritatively that stands above you in his word. The Holy Spirit has already spoken and you can learn to hear him primarily, most fundamentally and importantly, through his word. And you can know that the Holy Spirit will never tell you, for instance, to go cheat on your husband with someone who makes you feel so much better at work. Maybe it's someone who's more godly than your husband. The Bible's clear about adultery. He'll never do anything 
or, or speak anything in contradiction with his word. The Bible will never tell you to, to live in fear with your finances and withhold from God. Even if the Republicans or the Democrats or whoever your favorite pundit is telling you that wisdom is to do this, this, and that because, man, if he gets elected or if she gets elected, then the world's going to be in shambles and we need to take care of our money. And, and, and some political pundit or some uncle tells you you need to, to withhold from God and live in fear with your finances. The whole, that's not the Holy Spirit. God's word is spoken. The Holy Spirit will never tell you that you need to avoid people instead of confronting your hurts with them. If someone offends you, the Bible's clear about what you're to do. You're to go to that person. The Holy Spirit would never cause you to avoid reconciling a relationship or growing in a confrontation that you need. God has spoken in his word and he continues to speak, but we can know that what he has spoken authoritatively controls, constrains, and protects. He has spoken authoritatively. Now he still speaks, but what he speaks is a flowering of what he's already spoken in his word. So practically you can learn to hear him through his word by spending time in the word of God. Just whatever he speaks to you today is probably to fundamentally to tell you to adjust your schedule, to turn aside on a daily basis, to turn aside from what you're used to doing and to hear him through his word. A few weeks ago, our growth groups played this game at the icebreaker. All, all of the growth groups in our church uh, will we'll meet together and we'll get, we, we plan on getting deep into God's word and in relationship with one another. And that's how one of the main ways the Holy Spirit leads us. And one of the, the icebreakers in all of our growth groups was this. And we played this game called Two Truths and a Falsity. Maybe of y'all have played this game before. Uh, where we, we share two things that are true about ourselves and one thing that's not true. And we have to see if the people in the group can guess which one's false. It helps us to get to know each other better. Now we're going to play this game right now with me. Are you ready? I'm going to give you two statements that are true and one that's false. And you have to guess which one's false. You ready for this? You good? All right. Yeah, you got to be prepared here. Number one, statement number one. My wife, Elisa, and I have been married for over 10 years. Statement number two, we've been through highs, we've been through lows, but we've, through it all, learned forbearance and true love. Statement number three, just last week, my wife calls me and I I pick up the phone, I said, hello, and she says, hi. I said, who is this? She says, this is Elisa, your wife. I said, yeah, Lisa's my wife, but what? I, I don't recognize your voice. Now, it's up to you to guess. Which one of those three statements is false and which two are true? No guesses? It's a hard one. That's a real hard one, right? Well, obviously the third one, not just because of its incongruency with the other two, but if I know my wife, I'm going to know her voice. After 10 years and then another nine or so of, of, of being her special friend before that, praying that she would marry me, and now 10 years of marrying her, of knowing her in marriage, I know her voice. It would be absurd for that third thing to be a thing. It's not a thing. 
And likewise, after almost 19 years of knowing God personally and therefore hearing the Holy Spirit's voice because he wakes me up in the morning and gives me a new hunger to get inside this book and read it and let it read me through hard times, it redirecting me, God's word speaking to me, the Holy Spirit transforming me in the image of his word. After 19 years of that, I can understand at least a little bit the voice of the Holy Spirit, much like I understand my wife's voice. So get to know the Holy Spirit through his word. It's so much more important for you to know what's real and true, even then to, to, to know that, even versus distinguishing with all the falsities out there. I love what R.T. Kendall says in his book, Holy Fire. This goes hard. You ready? He says, it is far better to be able to discern the real than the counterfeit. And yet to the degree that you're able to recognize and embrace what is real and true, to that degree you will be able to detect and reject what is spurious and false. I'm not sure anyone is qualified to talk about what is false unless they're well acquainted with what is real. The Holy Spirit speaks today. There are other lying voices out there that would speak to you and condemn you and accuse you. But listen, if you get to know the word of God, you'll know the framework for how he continues to speak to you. It's a life and death thing. Number two, learn to hear the Holy Spirit through his people. And these last several will go fast. Learn to hear the Holy Spirit through his people. Now, even though the Holy Spirit might not have manifest in Exodus 3 or any of these other verses in bodily form to anyone because he is a spirit, he doesn't have a body. And maybe also when he speaks, most often, unlike the few examples in Acts, most often he doesn't speak with an audible voice. I can nonetheless, if I were to guess what the Holy Spirit sounds like the most audibly, it would be like the voice of my beautiful wife, Elisa. And for you, probably your spouse or the person he's placed around you. And here's why. Because the same God who sovereignly ordained these 66 books of the Bible has also ordained your life, where you'd live, who you would be in covenant community with, the people in your church, maybe the people you try to avoid when they're trying to get all up in your business and growth group. But God has ordained the people around you, even when he speaks through your spouse or someone who's close and someone he has, he has put in your path that knows God. It is no mistake And he'll speak through the people he's placed around you, even when it's difficult and it's a challenge for you. It's God speaking through people. So learn to hear him through his word. And as he sends other people that draw you to his word, that's how you can learn to hear his voice. You know, listening to the Holy Spirit, y'all, it's a team sport. It's not an individual competition. It's a team sport. So, uh, That's jock talk, but translate that however way it helps you, okay? Number three, learn to hear the Holy Spirit through his fruit. The Spirit of God has qualifying markers that we know from God's word of what his voice sounds like. Galatians 6 says, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We know that the Holy Spirit continues to speak and that's what his voice sounds like. I was in Latin America a while back and a, and a, a man brought a, a word of God that he thought was a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit uh, to another person and it was impatient, 
It was somewhat judgmental and condemning. And I took him aside. I said, I just don't think that that's the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, no, 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 look. Look, in the Old Testament, God called some of the prophets to bring harsh, harsh words against you know, Babylon and against the Jewish people and different, different things like that. And I just said, you know what? What we know about God, the Holy Spirit, and how he leads people to bring words to God's people, the Holy Spirit moves in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And you will be left with the peace, even if it's a challenging, even if it's a correcting, especially when he convicts you of your sin. It's not to condemn you. It's not impatient. It's to draw you. And the, the Spirit of God will lead you. When he's speaking to you, he will lead you with peace. Now, this has been true in my life. It's been one of the most amazing things. When I thought the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about different things, so often it's, uh, I'll give you a few examples. Years ago, I thought there was this decision I was supposed to make, and I thought the easy decision was the right decision. And I thought the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, right? Well, I, I started to speak to some of my friends who were near me, and this is where these first three were working all together. My friends near me pointed to me to some different scriptures that was a little bit better of a handling of God's word. They were right and I was wrong. And I was supposed to go clearly from God's word. I was supposed to disagree with what I thought was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It was just me speaking to me. I was supposed to disagree with what I thought before, which happens all the time if you're a Christian. It's called repentance. You disagree with what you thought before and you change your mind. And God's word and his people were directing me through the Spirit's voice to something else. And I was supposed to go do something really hard. There was suffering involved, and I knew it. And something strange accompanied me as I'd made that decision. Peace. How many of y'all have ever been in a place where you were supposed to do something hard, but this strange peace accompanies you? The Holy Spirit will lead you by his word and covenant with his people in a resounding expression of his fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And learn to hear him through his word, through his people, through his, his uh, fruit, and, and through his gifts. We as a church believe that the Holy Spirit gave gifts to the early church and he still continues to give supernatural gifts so that we can be a witness, a martyr, an expression of the glory of Jesus here on the earth as he multiplies. He he continues to speak and give gifts. And in fact, he gave us a command about how we're to hold those gifts. You can can go to 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and study all the things that that continue to be available to us today. But one of the commands is that we are to earnestly, that's a hard one, earnestly desire the greater gifts, especially that we would prophesy is what it says. We're supposed to earnestly desire the gifts. There was a day earlier this year that I was in another moment in my life where I was trying, I was really wanting to hear what God was speaking to me and and give me wisdom. And I was asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And I felt like he was uh, the word was leading me and he was leading me. His voice was to, to be steadfast and make a hard decision. And I had some things that I was working through that it was really hard not to be reactive to, to decisions and kind of uh, change course abruptly. It was hard not to. My wife didn't know what 
I was facing. And yet the Holy Spirit spoke to her. It's a gift of discernment, maybe a word of knowledge. And she gave me what I know now as a word of wisdom in February. She said, you need to know that God's telling you to not shift gears. You're supposed to be steadfast and he's going to provide for you. He's going to give you what you need. And you're, the moment of panic is not right now. And you need to just be steadfast and watch God move. That was February. I'll tell you what, that has been one of the most influential words I've ever heard from God. It confirmed what I had been reading and understanding God's word. It gave me the solidarity to suffer well. It gave me a peace. And right, right now, that's one of the most formative things I've ever heard God speak to me. Through my wife, confirming his word, and through the gift that God gave my wife as she sought him for the greater gifts. An utterance of the spirit of wisdom spoke through her. A, a, a real word of wisdom is, is, is what it was, rather. So learn to hear the Holy Spirit through the word of God through his people that he's sovereignly placed around you, through his fruit and through his gifts. And finally, this is the most operative one, the qualitative one that you'll know. Finally, learn to hear the Holy Spirit draw you to Jesus. Joshua already uh, unpacked last week that the Holy Spirit's, his, his task on earth, his his job, his goal, his ultimate end is to make much of Jesus, to draw his people to Jesus, to, to make Jesus' glory manifest on earth in you. And I'll tell you what, after 11 or 12 years of pastoral counseling, all the people that think they hear God speaking or not, this is the most qualitative one. So often people confuse condemnation for conviction. You don't have to know, the, you don't have to look up the, what those words are. But you can know this. If a, if a voice is leading you to Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. If he's leading you to repent of sin and turn to Jesus and to trust in him, that is the Holy Spirit. Does it lead you to Jesus or not? The Jesus of the Bible, not any other Jesus. Is he leading you to Jesus? That's the Holy Spirit. Is the voice condemning you in your sin? Are you hearing you're dirty? You're a hypocrite. You claim to know God, but you don't. And so therefore you need to stay away from God's people. You need to not read your Bible. That's a, that's a hypocritical thing. That is not conviction. That is the lie of the devil himself condemning you. And in Jesus name, you need to say, shut up. Silence in Jesus name. And maybe if you speak that out loud, You'll be in position to hear what the Holy Spirit's telling you, who he's drawing you to. You'll hear his voice drawing you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's a person. He speaks to us and we can learn to hear him. Now, even as we're still sitting, I want to practice this for a moment. Before we leave, I want you to think about one thing that you need God to speak to in your life. Uh, a decision you need to make. And I want to I do an activity right now where we ask God to direct you through his voice. So even right now, think about something you need, just one thing you need him to speak to you about. You need his guidance. You need his voice to direct you. 
And right now, I want you to symbolically represent this thing as an offering with open hands. Just extend it out to heaven and say, God, I give this thing to you. And and even do this. Repeat after me. Holy Spirit, give me ears. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Holy Spirit, give me ears. So even as you've offered this thing out, he's, he's going to begin to speak through uh, his peace, through something very specific. It might seem to you like thoughts, but if it's these other qualitative factors that we've already mentioned are going to confirm. Maybe he's telling you that you need to reconcile with a person. He's, he's, he's putting a person's face in your path. Let me tell you this. The devil never wants you to reconcile with a person. He wants division. We know that from God's word. Maybe he's telling you, 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 you need to stop doing something that you're doing in the morning so that you can read God's word. Maybe he's just telling, telling you, hey, I want you to seek me and seek my word for a season that would change how you do that forever. And he's just telling you, take that first step. So let's just give it another minute. All right, would you stand to your feet? Whatever he's spoken to you and what he continues to speak to you, I pray that you would continue to be receptive and to obey what he tells you. If he's telling you to go to a person, if he's telling you to read your word, you need to do that. Now, before we close, uh, I want to give two invitations here. If, If you've never come to know the person of God, by having Jesus transform your life, as we pray, you need to be honest with God and say, God, make me new. You know, Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. He, he lived the perfect life. And how is that? We know from the Bible that it was because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He lived the life we should have did, lived, and yet he died the death that we should have died in our place. And he rose again on the third day so that he could give us the life that we are supposed to live. Give us the power to live in the Holy Spirit. He could send his power. And it says that the the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of those who really truly know God. That happened to me 19 years ago. And for, for some of you in this room, this might be your day that you talk about to others about that like that. It's up to you just saying, God, have your way with me. And some of us, Maybe you already know God. Maybe he, he lives in, inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you like the living water in a well. But today, God wants to turn that well into a spring. And he wants to, to give you power to, to move through you and out of you and outpouring from you new anointing to draw others to himself, to be a witness of Jesus. And he's here today to speak to you. Just be honest with him where you are and he's going to move in you. Let's pray. Lord, many of us in this room need to, to hear you, to receive you. And if that's, if that's anyone in this room, just right now in your heart say, Holy Spirit, 
Make me new. Live inside me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose again from the dead and he's with the Father and he's sending you, Holy Spirit. So come and live inside me. Make me new. Give me new power. Make me a Christian, a born again. Make me new. I've tried on my own. Many of you right now, even just being honest before God, if that's you, right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit's moving. He's giving you new power. And if you're here and you're wanting new power to be a witness for the well of living water to become a spring as he's promised, to not just try to live for God and and represent him to others, but to be a Holy Spirit-empowered, anointed witness, even right now, just let's pray. If that's you, in your heart, say, Lord, here I am. I want everything you have for me. I want all the gifts, all the power. Help me to earnestly desire the greater gifts, especially that I would prophesy. Give me power to be a witness in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's how beautiful the Holy Spirit is. A simple prayer, and he can move. So I'm going to encourage you. Be ready. If you, if you prayed a, a prayer like that, in earnestness to God, be ready for... Uh, signs and wonders to flow from that. Be open to turn aside and watch him move and give you graciously what he's already promised, okay? Uh, as we close, I want you uh, to, to be aware of a few things. Number one, uh, if you volunteered with our kids summer nights, uh, we had a lot of those volunteers in the first service, but if you volunteered and helped, my kids benefited from that. Uh, many of our kids in here, it was a beautiful thing, and we're going to do it again. And we loved it so much. I'm just really happy about it. And if you volunteered, that's partly your fault. That was so great. So thank you. Uh, next thing is, uh, it is the 31st of the month. It's our last month in our budget day. We're trusting God to continue to, to, to fill our finances in this church. And if you call this church your home, uh, we thank you for generously participating in the finances of the church just as much as the, the expression of God's kingdom in every other way. And so we thank you and remind you about that. Um, and finally, if you are not connected to our growth groups, they're going strong this summer. If you want to go to a place that you have something better than comfort, you have peace, you have the peace of God through his people, we want to connect with you. And if you're visiting again, those connection cards help us to be able to be in better relationship with you. That's all we have. Uh, We went over a little bit today. We appreciate you guys. Uh, We're dismissed.